0: all this then sounds to me like we've got an American podcast in London these right buggers are causing all kinds of trouble they're climbing Big Ben they're at Buckingham Palace disrespecting the Queen more like
1: fucking ham palace am I right
0: <laughs> hey that's right it's your boys we're here to fucking ham that palace <laughs> I'm the shaggy dog Tim Allen <laughs>
1: Thank you. Um, hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's, and his hair was perfect.
0: It's more likely than you think. It is. Uh, <laughs> Werewolves of London. <laughs> well, it's just me and Cleve for this episode. Ben is on vacation with his family, so it's just the two of us. Just and, the uh, two of us. We are going to be talking about Cleveland's pick. And Cleveland has picked a a, a right banger for us. Oh, I uh, have, oh, I <laughs> have. Cleveland uh, Cleveland chose uh, to talk about the 1981 classic, "An American Werewolf in London," written and directed by John Landis and starring David Naughton, Jenny Agutter, and Griffin Dunn. Uh, and it is exactly what the title sounds like. It's an American werewolf. And he's in London! It's true. Well, Cleve, this was your first time seeing this. I've seen this before, and I love this movie. Um,
1: your baby, as always, how did baby like this movie? Well, uh, interesting phrasing, uh, but, uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I, picked this one because I hadn't seen it, and I wanted to. I've, I've been wanting to see this one for a minute. Uh, I think everyone, uh, has seen the fun image of, uh, him in the hospital bed with the kooky werewolf face. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a classic, it's a good, it's a good gif, it's good for memes. And, uh, yeah, the, the effects looked fun, so... Yeah, I was keen. I was keen on it. I love an 80s movie, and I love werewolves. They're fun, they're cool, and frankly, they don't get a lot of love these days. There aren't too many great werewolf movies. There hasn't been a fresh take on the werewolf in a long time. Yeah, like, unfortunately, like, the closest I think we've gotten to, like, popularity, like, with werewolves um, in the recent, like, couple of decades— is Harry Potter and uh, Twilight. Un- underworld, dog. An underworld, yeah, yeah. dog. But those, uh,
0: uh, but those werewolves, those, the lichens in, in uh, Underworld, I always thought looked more rat-like than wolf-like.
1: Yeah, so um, I've actually uh, never seen a single Underworld. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and I'm probably not going to be the one to pick those. Though. Yeah,
0: I probably won't either. I loved them when I was in middle school. They seem there. like a love
1: them in middle school kind yeah, of movie. Yeah, man. Like,
0: I was really, really into the whole Underworld vibe when I was like 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I I haven't seen any of those movies since then, but I don't imagine that they've aged particularly well. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> but, I missed
1: the boat on that one, and I'm okay with that. Maybe one day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, I, I don't know. It'd be but I'm not picking them. It'd be an interesting nostalgia trip yeah i don't have anything
1: against them i i wouldn't know to uh but i'm I'm not it's not something i'm gonna go out of my way for i'd i'd rather pick like the classic wolfman or something um which i grew up watching Mm. and uh loved i remember being really captivated by the the shot of the transformation and all all they did because was like shot in like the 30s or 40s right like all, all they did was um use an overlay and just like fade transition across um, it's it's really simple, but as a kid, I, I thought it was super cool, like, how they, like, they did, like, his transformation. Um, and it's just one shot. Like, it's not, there's no struggle or crazy screaming because they have to just do, like, one shot to another as an overlay. Yeah. So it's... Can't do
0: much back in those days in terms of a really uh, grotesque transformation scene.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think, I think that, like, with props and practicals, you could, but uh, not for that era in respect to gratuity and whatnot like that's not you know yeah
0: it was scared people too much probably uh, uh and and it,
1: most definitely it's the same era of you know where the, the guy would come out from behind the curtain and, and warn you about you don't know, get spooked too bad yeah, how, how the movie could kill you it was so scary <laughs> which rules um my grandmother wasn't allowed to see frankenstein when she was a kid because uh they thought that you would have a heart attack um, in the theater, which I, I think is awesome. Um, And of course, later on, she grew up, went and saw them and loved them. I, I might have mentioned that before on the podcast. I but... think we
0: talked about this when Jans was on, actually, about how they don't try to tell you that movies are so scary, they'll kill you anymore. Oh, like... when they
1: do, I think they, they go about it the wrong way. And it's yeah. very fun. Yeah, I was watching a bad found footage movie the other night where like, the whole premise was like, the movie will possess you or whatever. Ooh. And it it was, it was really poorly executed. I don't remember the name of the movie, but point being is I, I grew up on those classic monster movies, which I think are great for kids. Um, mm-hmm. those are really good films to watch when you're a youth. Um, and you know, you can, you can get down with the macabre stuff, you know, without being like legitimately terrified though, I you know, again, like King Kong, like scared the living hell out of me when I was a kid. Anyway, the Wolfman was really fun. That was like one of my first like Real horror movies, that in the original Dracula, and uh, with Bela Lugosi, and yeah, I, I love I love those films. And this movie brings an '80s aesthetic to that. Yeah, and that sounded rad, and it was. It was essentially everything I'd wanted.
0: I was going to ask, how did it live up to your expectations? It uh, it paid off. It said? did. Yeah, and
1: you know, like when it comes to expectations, mine weren't over the moon because this movie. At least in the circles I'm in, isn't like that often talked about. There are so many like other like classics from the era that take up so much real estate in dialogue. Whether it's like RoboCop, etc., you know, like uh, or or slasher films, you well, know, I think, like Jason, I, Friday, et etc.
0: I think even in in John Landis's filmography as well. That's one thing I wanted to talk about um, in regards to this movie because John Landis prior to this and pretty much after this too, was really only known for straightforward comedies. Like Mm -hmm. the other, the other big John Landis titles like when this came out and still today are National Lampoon's Animal House and the Blues Brothers. And
1: (laughs) one has aged well, one has not.
0: (laughs) And there was even some, some controversies, the wrong word, um, but some some hubbub when this movie came out because it was advertised in theaters as from the the creator of National Lampoon's Animal House or from the, the filmmaker who brought you Animal House. So people went to see this movie thinking that they were going to see a comedy. And a lot of people walked out because of how gratuitous it gets at times. And... I think that this movie does have the hallmarks of a horror comedy. It has a lot of Definitely. jokes. When you're watching it, it absolutely tracks that this is made by a comedic filmmaker.
1: And, I mean, come on! It features an animal in the house.
0: It it's literally an animal, both in and out of the house. Mm-hmm. So you know, like it all it all makes sense. Um, but uh, personally, this is my favorite John Landis film. And I was reading before too that. Uh, Still today, he says that this is his favorite of his own films that he's ever made, which I think is interesting because I do think that in a lot of ways it gets kind of uh, uh, second billing to stuff like the Blues Brothers.
1: And, mm-hmm. Which know, is maybe, a great movie, though. And
0: it's maybe not quite as iconic, but uh, I, I love this movie. I, I think it's fantastic.
1: Definitely. I can see why. I, I appreciate that Like he's he said it's his favorite. It's a shame that it was it got that treatment like when it when it first hit theaters, but it, it does track to me. You know, the '80s I think is when it was still
0: pretty commercially and critically successful. Good, okay. it was just kind of yeah, it I was know. just kind of billed incorrectly, so it kind of led some people to believe that they were going to watch a, a different kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you've when you've seen and enjoyed movies like Animal House and the Blues Brothers, and you go into this movie thinking you're going to get more of that kind of like irreverent humor and then you get like a a prolonged sequence of a guy turning into a werewolf and like his body twisting and morphing while he's like writhing on the floor screaming uh it's i i can see how people would have been like i didn't sign up for
1: this you know <laughs> i do appreciate that uh there is um like levity scattered throughout the film oh there totally is, there is a really nice like pacing of comedy it really does like I think, like, write a nice, like, a comfortable middle line. Um. Uh. Between between both like comedy and horror, the horror is fucking horrifying, and and the comedy usually lands. Um. Like the jokes largely held up to me. I, I liked like the 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 one liners that the friend you know puts out. Like both when dead and alive. Yeah. But it does it does track to me. You know, like the the 80s I think are when like genre was starting to be like largely dissolved. But it was I think just sort of the the cusp of that. We we didn't really see like that same like dissolving like of genre in like the popular eye. Until, like, the mid-2000s, I think, Mm. like, where you started to get more, like, crossover series. And, like, there's always been that, sure, like, even going back to, like, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. But even still, like, there is usually, like, hard framing in one direction or the other. Again, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is is just comedy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that the early 80s were kind of—we that did start to see more of that. And then, you know— Like, later in the 80s, you start to get directors like Wes Craven, who, you know, who does uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is very jokey. Yes. And then, you know, he he goes on to do Scream in the late 90s, which is uh, a film we haven't talked about on the show yet. Uh, We will at some point, but is kind of like the paragon of the meta-horror-comedy crossover um, in a lot of ways. Definitely. So, um... Yeah, I, I mean, I I, th- I think that this movie rides the line pretty well. Um, I I do think that maybe one of its very minor shortcomings is I I think that as a, as a comedy filmmaker primarily, I do think that maybe John Landis do- didn't quite know how to direct some of the uh, the scenes that were meant to be a little bit more dramatically serious. I think that there's there's. Some instances of some kind of like wooden deliveries in moments that are supposed to be. Uh, a little bit more, like, dramatically impactful. But that's okay. I don't particularly mind because, I mean, what what the movie delivers in terms of its jokiness, but also in terms of, like, really good practical effects and gore and horror violence, that's all I really need. I can forgive, you know, some, some stilted character moments uh, because that's not, you know, not really what the movie's
1: about. So, you know, it's interesting. It both is and isn't. That is one of my few critiques over this film, or things that didn't really land, like, I think as well as they could have with Mm. me. Uh, And that is, like, whether or not this is a character film. Because I I feel like we're primed to be, like, attached and see the film through the eyes of our werewolf protagonist. And yet the way the film kind of disregards him at the end, um, and all of our (laughs) characters is... Well hollow for me to jump to the end. I uh, without we can dig into it later, but like t- I, it, it ends so abruptly. Yes, and there's it there's does. no time to like breathe or let our emotions wash over us, like via like our the other characters' ex- mm. reactions or expressions. There's no time for it. It just cuts straight to credits and in a way that that felt like they didn't care. You know, like like it isn't about that, but but yet I felt pretty invested, like in all of these other characters. I, I liked a lot of the decisions they made. Mm. I I appreciated their development, um, which they were given ample amounts of.
0: I think the characters are well written. I just I in terms of the combination between the direction in certain scenes and their acting is where I think that some of that stuff falls short a little bit. Yeah. I think the I think the writing is is pretty tight.
1: I'd love some examples.
0: I'll I'll bring them up when we get to them because it's a lot of mm. like l- later latter half stuff and I don't sure, sure. want to I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, let's dive into the movie a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's dig into the plot. So uh, it starts with two young, presumably teenage, college-aged uh, American guys. Jack and David
1: who are... Backpacking through Europe.
0: Backpacking through Europe. They've got three months, and uh, they're starting in England, and uh, we see them sort of uh, backpacking across the moors in Yorkshire, and they come across a, a small village and uh, step into a pub to get out of the cold and the damp and receive a... Uh, Less than warm welcome from the uh, superstitious and um, not particularly friendly townspeople. I, I got a lot of hostile vibes.
1: A little bit, yeah. You know, it's it's the backpackers, you know, it's the... The, the American the tourists in Europe
0: who stumble into something that they don't understand and end up, you know, getting more than they bargained for. Yeah, yeah it's, which also, it's like, a similar kind of setup. Which also
1: summarizes, like, the entire plot of Midsummer very well. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like, I... It's a whole genre in and of itself, really. Yeah,
0: fish out of water. The villagers... Uh, in the, the tavern in the slaughtered lamb with the name of the pub. Okay. Uh, Actually, you know,
1: that's another critique I gotta, I gotta bring up right now is we do not get enough screen time on, uh, the slaughtered lambs sign. It it's is very cool. So fucking cool. Like the, the art for that sign with like the, the werewolf like the wolf with like the blood dripping out of its mouth. Yeah, it's
0: like a wolf's head impaled on like a like a halberd.
1: Yeah, like a it's, pike. It's very it's very metal. Yeah, it like the, the text is really cool and it the shot lasts a second. You barely get to see this thing, and it's so cool. Like, it looked so neat. Like, some artists, like, put a lot of time into it, and I just wanted to, like, take it in, and I, it didn't, didn't allow me to, like, get that chance. It's a small thing, but, like, it was really neat. I wanted to look at it a little bit more.
0: Yeah. So after the the villagers kind of drive them away, they make it clear that they're not welcome here. They set out again. It's night at this point. The moon has risen. It's a full moon. Um, they hear some. They're hearing some spooky howls across the
1: moors as they're traveling. Well, before we get to that, do I, I? I do want to talk about like the pub sequence. Um, sure. I, I think that there's there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Uh, that that scene is very well edited. I Mm -hmm. love like cutting back to the dartboard. They use that for moments of impact, like, like really beautifully. It makes for such a great cutaway. And, uh, the, the interactions like between our protagonists, like talking about like, you know, when, when they see like the weird star, like the, the pentagram on the wall, Mm -hmm. which, um, uh, is not inverted, which like, kudos like they did they did like some small amount of homework you know if a pentagram is inverted it's bad but like if it's upright it's not so like that's cool um uh i'm i'm generalizing but uh they, they did that at least which is nice but anyway the protagonists are like kind of like what the fuck is on like, about hey, like we're gonna ask about yeah. it you know and uh one of the guys comes over and he tells like some joke that hasn't aged well and the whole room starts laughing and that moment the buddy thinks hey everyone's like at ease this could We've be a good moment mood, yeah. to, to to bring up the pentagram. And so he asked while everyone is still laughing, Hey, what's up with this thing on the wall there? And the dead guy misses the dart on the board. Like once again, like just like set yeah, the that, everyone really they all just
0: stop laughing simultaneously. Like the room just goes silent, dead silent. And, and he misses like, you made me miss. Yeah. I never miss.
1: Which let me say <laughs> so something funny for D and D players out there. Like this is such a good example of rolling high and still missing a charisma check. Yeah, like because he did everything right. Like he brought it up when like people like were at ease, so he could like sneak in and be like, "Hey, what's that thing?" You know, like be- being kind of fun about it. And and still like the DC was too high. He's not going to make that that uh, that charisma check. And and everyone is just like, "What the fuck?" Like and, and just goes dead silence. Very fun. That's a great scene
0: yeah it is it is very fun so uh, it's after that where they're like oh you, you you don't belong here you best be getting on your way uh so on and so forth. I'm not gonna stop doing that voice throughout the please, this please episode don't. Yeah. um and uh so they they head out in, onto the moors and
1: they are attacked by a uh by a werewolf and what I like is like while they're out and about, we keep cutting back to the bar. And we see the regret on the villagers' faces. The barkeep, like, she is is particularly concerned, you know, like, uh, and I, I like that about it. Like, she tries to bring, yeah. like, some, some clarity to the rest of the group.
0: It's like you shouldn't have let them go out there tonight. Like yeah. you got to, you got to go out after them. It's like we shouldn't have sent them out there, mm. and
1: it's very believable. Like they, they, they sort of start to realize like the, their their folly and that they were they were way too harsh on these guys, and like they just sent them to their deaths.
0: Well, and it's it is what saves David's life because they do get attacked by the werewolf, and Jack is mauled to death. But uh, as the werewolf is about to turn its attention to David then the the villagers show up with their guns and and kill the werewolf.
1: And it's really nicely paced too because them being chased by the werewolf is intercut with them at the bar feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. And uh the way it's cut we don't think that there's going to be enough time, which I like. I like it's it's well edited. So like it is a surprise like when they show up and they shoot the wolf.
0: I mean after after it has a, a an opportunity to bite David um, because that's of course how he becomes a werewolf because um, he doesn't escape unscathed. but uh, he wakes up in a hospital in London like three weeks later, I think. Um, he's been in a coma for for several weeks. Once he wakes up, he starts receiving visitations from Jack as a ghost. Uh, presumably. I, I love that for most of the movie, it's, it's pretty ambiguous whether Jack is there as, like, an undead visitor, or if it's a side effect of David's trauma from the attack. Um, I really like that, because Jack shows up and he's horribly mauled, and the, uh, the makeup is great it's so good I, it's so good like especially that that first time he shows up because each time he shows up he's uh he's progressively more like decayed uh, which is fantastic to go throughout the movie, that first time he shows up, like the wounds are all still really fresh and he's torn up. And I, I keep fixating on like, there's a little flap of skin, like on mm-hmm. his throat that keeps like f- that keeps sort of like flapping when he moves.
1: And it's like the, the attention to detail is, is awesome. Well, th- That makes for a great time to mention that Frank Oz worked on this movie. Uh, and I think that like likely had well, some, he has a playing. he has
0: a cameo, but the makeup artist I was going to bring that up actually is Rick Baker, who uh, actually was this this film was the first film to win an Oscar for makeup. Well deserved. And and Rick Baker won for that. Uh, apparently, it was because uh, David Lynch's The Elephant Man came out the year before this in 1980, and. After the Academy Awards there was a lot of talk like hey the elephant man had such incredible makeup but we don't have anything to acknowledge like excellence in that kind of work there there was no there was no Oscar for best makeup so they said okay from here from this point forward we're going to have a new category for for best makeup and effects and Rick Baker for American Werewolf in London was the first one to win that, uh, well deservedly, uh, because the practical effects in this movie and the makeup are fan fucking tastic. The best part of the movie, as as far as I'm concerned, yeah. But um, there is it there is are t- times that Frank Oz cameo is worth mentioning though, because he's like the uh, the Amer- he's from like the American Consulate or whatever, and he shows up to the hospital to like talk to David, and I didn't even realize it was. Frank Oz until the credits, but like when he was talking, I was seeing him. I was like, "That dude sounds like fucking Kermit the Frog, Kermit the Frog ass motherfucker." <laughs> it's like, because well, it's because it's, it's Frank Oz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: like uh, shout out to Frank Oz. Like, like it's so it's so great too that like he's still like like playing those like iconic characters mm-hmm. like even now. Um, that's amazing. Like, I,
0: I uh, yeah, dude's got to be like a million years old at this point.
1: Yeah, I have so much respect for him. Uh, he's great. Anywho. One thing I will note about like the the practicals is there 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 were a couple of sequences where I felt like they could have like kept the shots even shorter. For the most part, they do a great good job of it. Like mm-hmm. the the editing, I have both like loads of praise for and also like a few complaints. One of which being like there's a there's a dream sequence where Nazi werewolves show up and like shoot up his entire childhood. I love the Nazi and werewolves. It's, it's a great scene. Um, but there are a lot of like shots where we hang on the the Nazi Werewolves for long enough to see, like, there's no articulation in the masks or anything. No, there's not. I it would have been nice for, like, a little bit of uh, movement or something. Like, I think the masks look great, though. Like, obviously, it's part they, of a dream sequence, so, like, it's pretty forgivable.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's ridiculous enough, you know, he starts having these nightmares about Nazi werewolves, uh, which is it's very fun, once again, just showing the film's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: <laughs> but it makes sense, too, because, like, he's he's, like, he's at the hospital, like, there's, like, TV playing in the background, and he's, like, He's on medication, so like like the the mm-hmm. kinds of dreams that you would have that would be instilled on you from like the television running in the background like makes sense,
0: well, and also like from the the kind of like the the superstitious townspeople that they were around right before the werewolf attacked and like seeing the the slaughtered lamb sign, which like has a werewolf on it, and they say that like oh, the pentagram is like the mark of the wolf or whatever,
1: you know, so. And a lot of those old He's, men like would have been like World War Two vets at that time. Yeah. Also, well,
0: um, and he, which
1: is neat too, because like now it's it's been longer. Uh, it's there's a longer span of time between now and the '80s, than there was between the '80s and World War Two.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Doctor Hirsch, who becomes a more important character later, is uh, a World War Two veteran because um, I. There, it's kind of a throwaway line uh, that he has at the beginning um, when his secretary is like, there's somebody calling for him and he doesn't want to talk to him. And he says, I survived Rommel, but now so-and-so is going to be the death of me. This dude who won't stop
1: calling him. Uh, so I (laughs) I thought that was a a pretty funny throwaway little line. Um, who cares that, like that little three, that tiny theme, that little through line. Right. Yeah. I
0: mean, this would have only been, you know, just over 30, 35 years after the end of world war two. So definitely still in, in recent memory. Um, um, but the the nazi werewolves are great you're right that like the masks do look they look good, but there's no articulation and they don't move at all, so they just look like masks.
1: Um, but I, just a little movement would have done it because like, the I, masks, yeah. their designs are fantastic.
0: I think it's just I, I think it's one of those things where there are just too many of them. Like it would have been, it would have taken too much time and money to put articulation into that. Many well, what you do masks. is like, you have is you do it for one bingo. and they have like a shot of the of the mouth moving a little bit. Because there the shots of
1: there was, was short, one that yeah. got more attention and feature than the others. Um, I think that was, I
0: think that one was actually played by Rick Baker, the makeup artist. Rad. Um, the, he's the one who, who in the dream slashes David's throat that, that Nazi werewolf was Rick Baker. Mm.
1: Mm. What a great scene.
0: So he's woken up in the hospital, and he's told that uh, his friend Jack was killed by like a psycho, you know, like a like a man, and he says, "No, it wasn't a man, it was a wolf, like it was it was an animal. Like, I love to like
1: he says, "wolf, not werewolf."
0: yeah." Well, I mean, of course, you're not going to say it's a werewolf, uh, but he he says, like, no, it wasn't a man, it was an animal. It was a big wolf or a rabid dog or something, but, like, I saw it, it wasn't a man. It's like, oh, well, they the police have, have the body of a man full of bullets, so, like, you were just, uh, you know, you were, you were seeing things or the trauma or whatever has affected you, so on and so forth. But I like it because it plants the seeds of the... Of, Lycanthropy that allow characters like Doctor Hirsch and Alex later on to sort of be brought into the story. Like once he has become a werewolf, you know, um, and Doctor Hirsch still thinks that it's just like in his head. Is like At oh, first. He, if he he thinks yeah, he thinks he's gonna turn into a werewolf, so you know he might go out and hurt people thinking that he's a monster but no it turns out he actually is a werewolf and uh and jack coming to him uh in visitations in in supernatural visitations is telling him is like look i'm I'm undead, and the only way for me to be at rest is for the werewolf's line to be destroyed, and that's you. that's all that's left. you're gonna turn in a few days at the full moon and you're gonna hurt people, so you need to kill yourself uh which is which is great i I think that's there's something so spooky about like your your horribly mutilated and decomposing friend. Coming back to you like late at night and sort of cheerfully being like, hey, you're a werewolf. You need to kill yourself before you kill other people. And also so my spirit can be at rest. It's very spooky, I think.
1: Mm hmm. I love how uh nonchalant he is about it for, for most of it. Um he, he really tries to come to his buddy like as chill as possible. It, it's, it's like, not hey, like man, a uh, how's
0: it going? It doesn't
1: feel like a like a Christmas carol, um, like Marley and Marley yeah. like uh Scrooge.
0: like There's shaking no, the chains. Yeah, no rattling
1: of chains or anything. Yeah, like he he just kinda shows he's like, Hey bro, uh yeah, I, I, bad news, but I I'm gonna need you to do this, like it's
0: like I'm gonna need you to kill yourself for my benefit and other people's, yeah. you know? and yours, really, and yours. Like, yeah. You're gonna
1: feel real bad about this. Um, yeah, you're gonna turn into a
0: werewolf and you're gonna kill a bunch of people and you're gonna feel real bad about it. So why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself? Mm-hmm. And and I I love that because like he doesn't even become a werewolf for the first time until like a good halfway through the movie, if not a little past halfway. So. For a lot of this, it's like I mean, we see as the audience, like we see the werewolf attack them at the beginning, and we see it become a man once it's shot.
1: But very little, very, very little. little. Like they keep it, they keep it brief, short shots, and again, not a lot of articulation. Like, like so much
0: of so much of the drama is like, is he hallucinating Jack being there, and like, is he actually going to become a werewolf? You know, on the full moon, or or is he just traumatized and? that sort of like uncertainty is is a really nice uh like line of tension to to carry it until the point where he does transform um which is uh i i i wouldn't be surprised if that scene in and of itself is why rick baker won that academy award because it's probably the greatest werewolf transformation scene in cinema history that I can think of, maybe rivaled only by uh, Joe Dante's The Howling, which weirdly came out the same year as this movie. Oh, no shit. Um, Which is also another great movie and has a fantastic werewolf transformation sequence. Now,
1: I I already brought it up once. I'm I'm a little remiss to bring it up again, but I will say, like, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I feel like... The one in Harry Potter is pretty good. It's worth putting out there. Like when Lubin transforms, it's, it's pretty well done.
0: It is, but it's
1: like the it, way is like his ankles come up, you know, like, and all the rest of it. Like, I mean, clearly like they were. They, Pang- were, but, they were, but, yeah, Pang- but they were pantom- this movie. yeah,
0: they were pantomiming this movie and they were doing it with CG. Yeah. That's like, well, while I'll agree with you that it's an effectively done transformation scene in Harry Potter, and I can't believe that we're talking about it. I Harry know, Potter I know. On this podcast, but I, I'll, I'll agree with you that it's an effective and well done scene and it's done with budget, so the CG actually looks good, mm-hmm. but. It's not the same as the practical. It's not the same, and the whole thing in American Werewolf is completely practical. It's all animatronics and makeup and prosthetics, and I can't imagine how long it must have taken, because the sequence itself is a good probably two minutes, I would say, of, of him transforming, if not a little bit longer, and... Like the number of different prosthetics and things that you'd have to stop and put on David Naughton in order to get like a a shot that just lasts a few seconds. Like, man, it's it's so impressive. It still looks great to this day and too.
1: In such a tiny room. Yeah, that's the thing is like they didn't they didn't pick like a large living room space. It's in like a small London flat. Mm -hmm. So there couldn't have been like a lot of like room to get around. Like I'm sure like they it was it had to have been like a set with like a removable wall or something so they could like, you know, like pull back around. But it does a great job of feeling like so claustrophobic too. Like he doesn't have a huge space to transform in.
0: Yeah. And you get all the great details too, like like you mentioned for the Harry Potter scene, like the ankles sort of distending and the feet getting longer and the hands the growing. hair sprouting. The, is the hair incredible. sprouting. The his hands like it lengthening is also
1: one that I think is, is very impressive. Yeah. Well, cause they use like, um, they use like, I think the same kind of like elastic play that they do with, uh, um, like the thing. Mm-hmm. So you get that, like that, like pulling, like ripping and like morphing flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And,
0: and the, the shot of like his, his face distending and becoming like a snout looks really good too. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Talk about yeah.
1: articulation. There is so much going on. Yeah. Uh, in that shot, where like the the face extends outwards, incredible yeah. work. Like the eyes, the and, ears, the all the individual like part, like components, like around the jaw, like are all moving on their own, and it's amazing. And
0: there's there's a, another uh, shorter transformation scene later in the in the porno theater before the climax. But a, a shot that I love from that one uh, is. The claws coming out
1: from like underneath. Oh, and they his break the other fingers. Under
0: yeah, instead of Yikes. the instead of the fingernails growing into claws, like the claws come out from inside the fingers and break through the fingernails. Outstanding it's So work. it's such a cool attention to detail. That's like it. It looks painful too, and that's the thing. That's what I think is like really key to getting like a good werewolf transformation scene is that it needs to feel painful Mm -hmm. because if it doesn't, then what's the point, right? Like your body is twisting and morphing and you're becoming a, a a beast, a monster. Like it's not a comfortable process, you know? Well, what I like,
1: what I like about Wolfman, for instance, which I have not seen in a very long time, but what I, what I like about that is the process doesn't seem as painful. It's more of like a like – a, it's almost like an anime magical girl kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's Like just it's like a quick magical, transition. Right. And um, what I think is fun about that is it's not the pain of transforming. It's the pain caused from the ramifications. Of it's, being transformed. It's killing transformed, the father. Like, like yeah. it's, it's the – it's all the other like parts. It's killing the people he loves. Sure. Um, like that is, it, it's the emotional ramification of it. Um, and that also, like, I think that there's something to be said too about like the other side of that where it can, it is, there being an equal amount of horror in the revelry of it, right? Like enjoying becoming a werewolf is, I yeah. think, just as terrifying. Um, our, our character doesn't in, I think, either film, but like there there are examples of that. And I, and I, I do love it, like, um, because that's the whole idea, right? Like it's a theme about like, uh it, it's a metaphor for like our our, our our primitive selves you know like like returning to to our animalistic our bestial tendencies and um that sometimes it's it's scariest when we revel in it um yeah. and that's when the worst things can happen um or we disregard it and if like if it's painful it's it's it can also be scary for the you know like it, it, the person doesn't wa- if the person doesn't want to become a werewolf too there's sorrow in that and I think there that can equally that can be equally um depthy you know and yeah. and, and and narratively rich uh, for sure but th- there are two sides to that coin I think like well, you can, I think you can tell the, a lot with both
0: yeah I think that's the thing is in in this case too you know it's like the it's a painful transformation and then it's a loss of self and it's typical in the werewolf mythos that when you wake up the next day you have no memory of of what you've done the night before but he right? feels
1: great which is cool
0: yeah which which I do like is he wakes up he wakes up in the zoo uh, in the wolf in, in the wolf cage but uh, and yeah, he runs all the way back to Alex's apartment and and says like he feels he feels fantastic. He feels great. He's never felt stronger and more, you know, and Limber. More, and more limber and virile and uh and yeah, like I, I think that's cool too. It's like he doesn't remember the six people that he tore apart the night before, but he knows he feels really good. Which
1: to be fair, you get a bit of both. Like yeah. I was talking about before.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's he's not able to reflect on what he's done until later, you know, when it's sort of shown to him. But he does revel in how he feels the next day. It's like the reverse of a hangover, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's pretty cool that like uh, that he feel after such a painful transformation that uh, when you come out the other side of it, you feel good, you know, you feel strong. Yeah. Uh, Earned and, and and that scene also too where he wakes up and. The the whole thing of him getting back to Alex's apartment is great too. It uh, has one of my favorite moments in the movie where he's like he's naked and he's hiding behind the bush and there's the little kid with the balloons and he's like, "Hey kid, come here. Give me like give me your balloon. I'll give you 2 pounds for those balloons." He's like, "Well, if you're a balloon thief, why do you want to give me 2 pounds?" He's like, "Well, I'll, I'll show you." He just grabs the balloons and <laughs> runs. <laughs>
1: And then, and then the bit where like and he goes up to his mother afterwards is so funny.
0: Yeah, I th- that's that's maybe my favorite line of the movie. Is like a naked American man just stole my balloons. <laughs> like the 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 delivery on it is like he's timing, so you know? he's so deadpan. Like that's. That's like, yeah, John Landis knows comedy because that that del- the delivery of that line by that child
1: is so fucking funny. And and like the the tension behind that scene is great too, because like I was really concerned during that scene because like it's a naked man in a park like talking to a kid. It's like I don't know, like yeah. where where's the scene? Like, like like obviously we know our protagonist is a good person, but like there's a lot of tension there, and I think your average viewer is gonna be like watching it, being like, yo, where's the scene? going like you know like you know what's gonna happen yeah he's like hiding a and
0: naked dude hiding in the bushes be like hey little kid come here I'll give you two pounds like yeah, like you know?
1: <laughs> yeah like, it, it's it's really like uncomfortable and the comedic payoff is is just like this goofy like this kid says something funny you know like yeah. um like he has an overactive imagination or something like from his mom's perspective and it's really funny like yeah uh, and the, the the tension there I think really makes that makes the comedy like the 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 gratification well, and, and then he from it really and hard. then
0: he he steals uh he runs past and steals the woman woman's coat you know we get the classic shot which is another very like national lampoon thing of the naked the naked guy running by and grabbing you know a sheet or a jacket or something mm-hmm. to, to hide his his nakedness uh, but then he's just like he's standing there waiting for the bus just like in this bright red woman's coat that like goes down like just below his crotch just staying there barefoot and like this sort of like snooty British businessman man like standing there and just like giving him the stink eye you know the the british famously uh transphobic
1: people uh, <laughs> i i i thought that that little bit is is really great i do want to hark it back to uh that first sequence where he's out and about being a werewolf um because it has my favorite shot in the movie which is we don't see much of him as a oh werewolf yeah i know what i bet you do like mm-hmm. uh we don't see much of him at all. There's like maybe some really, really short shots, uh, hyper close of him like jumping on people or whatever. Like you don't get much of any. You see that. You
0: see the head sometimes because mm-hmm. it's obviously just like a big animatronic puppet head.
1: Yeah. Um, they uh, they, so they do not a lot. It's very quick. It's very dark.
0: They do the jaws thing where it's like they know that the more you see of the of the monster, the less effective it's going to be because. You know there are they are limited in their technology and what they can do. So
1: show less of it, leave more to the imagination, make it scarier. And they do it in the best way because the payoff of like when we get the the guy at the subway, yeah, right? like he sees him, we don't, and he starts running or running down the hall, and we get I was the first, we get the
0: POV it. shot from the werewolf like chasing him, yeah,
1: um, the Evil Dead, you yeah. know, like yeah, monster shot. And I was thinking to myself, if this movie was like poorly remade. Uh, This isn't poorly, but like if this movie was like poorly remade, they would, they would have that same sequence where the guy like rounds the corner, like, you know, like the tunnel, so like the hallways, like in the subway, like where he's rounding the corners there. Mm -hmm. And you know that the beast is just behind him, but we don't see it. What they would have done instead is he would have rounded the corner, been running down the hallway. And then the werewolf would have like popped out from behind and like run along the wall or some Oh God. Like you can see it, right? Like that's like how they would have poorly like done it. And it's so much better that we don't see it there. And then we get one final shot where the guy collapses on the escalator, like, he's just exhausted, and he's, like, trying to get up this escalator, and we cut to a shot from the top of this, yeah. like, really tall escalator looking down the the shaft, and the man on the escalator, like, coming up, and, and then and then finally the wolf, like, comes into view, and it's just in its... It's far away, Mm -hmm. and it's just this really cool, like, dark shot of him, like, crawling up. And it looks amazing, um, especially at that distance. And it's enough to, like, conjure everything you need in your imagination. Exactly. It's horrifying. It's definitely my favorite shot of the film. What a great payoff to that whole sequence.
0: Well, I I think that some of that comes out of practicality, too, because I was was reading uh, an interview with Rick Baker uh, and John Landis, and they were saying that they didn't want to make the werewolf bipedal, like most werewolves are. I appreciate are. that. So, you know, he's... When he becomes a werewolf, he just becomes like a... Just a big, big wolf, ass wolf. Just a big wolf, you know? So he's moving around on all fours, so you can't, at that point, really just have a guy in a suit, you know? You have to have an animatronic. So I, I think that... The, the times they choose, uh, the bits they choose to show of that animatronic are just perfect because they don't linger on it long enough for us to see the, sort of the limitations of the effects and it. Conjures more in the imagination and makes it scarier. Uh, so big ups to them for that. I, I really appreciated that. We get a lot of good shots of like the of like the, the eyes, like the werewolf's eyes close up, and we see like the head and the mouth and stuff. And he sees a
1: big scary wolf. I like it. Yeah, I love the eye close-ups. Those mm-hmm. are great.
0: I wanted to to double back. Quickly, uh, to the the scenes of of, uh, him running naked through London, Mm -hmm. something that I thought was funny is that uh, David Naughton, who plays David in this movie, before this, he was the television spokesperson for Dr. Pepper. He was on their TV commercials, (laughs) the old 70s Dr. Pepper commercial, I'm a Pepper, you're a Pepper. Uh, you know, you want to, who wants to be a pepper too, or whatever. That was David Naughton. And that was actually, John Landis actually cast him because he saw those commercials. Like, yeah, I want to get that dude to be my werewolf. Awesome. Um, but what I thought was funny is that David Naughton was fired by Dr. Pepper because of how much of this movie he spends nude. <laughs> So he got fired as the spokesperson for Dr. Pepper because he's in this movie where he's running around naked.
1: I think that's awesome. I think that's really funny. God, yeah, that's that's amazing. How about it? Um, yeah, he has he has such an interesting face. Like it's it's kind of long, and I think it works well for makeup. I was trying to think, the whole time we were watching this movie,
0: I was, I, I'm always trying to think about who he, there's another actor that he reminds me of, Mm -hmm. and I just, I can't put my finger on it. I think he reminds me a little bit of, um, oh, shit, I'm, why am I blanking on the actor's name, uh, who plays Bobby in Twin Peaks? He reminds me of him a little bit.
1: I can kind of see it. Bobby's got like a, that, sh- that Bobby's, image, like that sharp kind of look to him. That Bobby's see, Bobby's
0: but... lankier, but uh he's he's got the he's got the like the same kind of facial structure <laughs> that David Naughton does.
1: They both have like really good, like wide in invested eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like they're yeah, they're always like curious. No, I, I do like that. A lot of acting with their eyes. Well, yeah, so then um, he tries to get arrested and fails because British police are are, are too nice. Oh my god, that scene Um, is so funny. Are too polite
0: he just goes into piccadilly circus and he like goes up to a cop and demands to be arrested says that he's the one who killed the six people the night before the cop doesn't believe him and so he just starts uh he just starts shouting queen elizabeth is a man Prin- <laughs> uh prince charles is a is an f word um and <laughs> <laughs> and like, just try, just like try to insult the British royal family, so he could get arrested. And the whole time, all the cop does is like, "Well, there's enough of that. Then you move along now." <laughs> like he won't do anything. All right, all right, all right move along, right, move along. All right, we've had enough of that. Then, uh, <laughs> and he can't, he can't get arrested. So. He he sees the now uh, almost completely decayed skeletal jack uh, across the street standing outside of a porno theater and beckons him to 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 come into the theater and that's another great bit of comedy because that scene is you know pretty spooky and dramatic because you know jack is completely rotted away down to the to the skeleton at this point and he has brought like the spirits of the people that David murdered the night before as the werewolf, who are all torn up and bloody and ragged, and they're in the porno theater. And he's like, he's like, yeah, this is so and so. You killed him in the subway, and this is so and so and his fiancee, so and so. You killed them outside of, uh, you know, the dinner party or whatever. And, and you know, it's it's very tense, but also in the background, there's there's just like a like a, a goofy porno playing on the screen, <laughs> which is, uh, like
1: intentionally bad dialogue. Apparently
0: that was the very first thing they shot for this movie was the fake porn awesome. to be used in that scene. Um, very good. I also noticed, uh, in the scene where, uh, the, the guy is getting chased through the subway in the subway tunnel one of the subway tunnels is just plastered with posters for that particular porno nice. that we see later oh, it's a, good. Nice little, a nice little bit of foreshadowing <laughs> uh, porn shadowing you could say
1: for scanning for don't know.
0: for for yeah foreskin shadowing I, I don't know yeah. uh, there, <laughs> there's there's, some, some. there's
1: something there yeah you decide, viewer, uh, listener, whatever you are. Yeah, some great stuff there. What I like about it is how that yeah the scene with the the cop is is uh, then met with like a bit of a bit of horror with like him like pulling him across the yeah. street. Uh, and uh, sort of spectral rotted skeleton. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: just like hey, come over here and to the porno theater.
1: One of the strengths of this film is definitely like the the play of comedy and horror, and we never know because. Yeah. I I believe, once again, I've mentioned this before, but horror and comedy are are sort of sister mediums in my eyes. Absolutely. Because uh, they both share uh, similarities in that a joke and a horror sequence often end, like, begin with tension and end with payoff. And the only difference is whether that payoff is, like, the relief of laughter or terror.
0: And laughter can sometimes be a response to terror it's as true. well. When you're scared and you don't know how to react to something, sometimes you laugh, you mm-hmm.
1: know? Laughter is an act of revelation. Mm-hmm. It's usually like a like a, a realization. You know, we, we laugh when we realize that our parent hasn't vanished during peekaboo, right? It's the same idea. And, uh, you know, like you can you can play up that tension so much better when you honestly don't know if it is going to be. If it's going to be played for comedy or terror. Uh, yeah. the, the tension is, you know, always so much better for it. Uh, and I, I love that. You're constantly, like, left guessing, like, how a scene is going to end in this film. And I, I like that about it.
0: Yeah, and the, the porno theater, you know, he, he ends up staying there too long and, you know, night falls and the moon rises and he starts to transform again. And I had forgotten how fucking buck wild this climax is where <laughs> the, the werewolf runs out of the, the porno theater into the middle of Piccadilly Circus, you know, and like there's... Like, holy shit, there's so much going on in that scene. So many
1: car crashes.
0: So many car crashes and, like, people getting, like, crushed between ca- cars. Many and, like, people. A, and, like, a dude gets his head ripped off and, like, yeah, it, it's fucking wild. He like, makes a
1: circus out of Piccadilly Circus. Absolutely. And, yeah, like, more mayhem is caused, like, from the reaction to the werewolf than, the were- like, by the werewolf yeah. itself. Um, what, what a great play on that, right? Like it's, it's people's like panic and like response is, is worse than the, the creature itself in some ways.
0: And it create, and like, it it leads to a bunch of really great stunts. Like you mentioned, like just a bunch of car crashes and stuff. And like, just, I, it's been several years since the last time I'd seen this movie and I'd forgotten about all that stuff. And like, it had both of us just going, whoa, (laughs) Whoa! You know, and like that's the best kind of movie. Uh, so true. <laughs> I I love that, and uh, and you know, it leads to them cornering the werewolf in uh, in the alley and uh, and shooting him to death, and then immediately abruptly <laughs> rolling credits. Well,
1: and, you know, like if if that had just been it, like as described, that would be one thing. But we haven't really talked about um.
0: Alex a- uh, yeah. about alex
1: very much um and and she she plays such a pivotal role in this film um the i think she's i think she's the best the best
0: actor in the film God, too, yeah honestly. she's great uh, she is, she she gives the best performance
1: mm-hmm. um, and yeah I, I really like like how she split up like she's first like just introduced almost as like a romantic interest but by the end of the film she's sort of like Takes over the protagonist role, like like she's she's the character we we care the I, I, at least I I found myself caring the most for, um and her like uh agency or lack thereof was like the most important. Well, to you you well.
0: be you become yeah you become afraid for her because like you know that David is uh is turning into a werewolf and it's like well he's worried about it, kind of, but neither of them are taking it super seriously. For context for the listener, Alex is a nurse at the hospital, um, so when he wakes up and he's in the hospital, she's, like, kind of caring for him, and, you know, she's kind of captivated by uh, you know, the the mysterious American stranger Yeah, he's whatever. got that American yeah. charm. So after he's released from the hospital and he doesn't really have anywhere to go, she's like, oh, why don't you just come back and stay at my place? And they begin sort
1: sort of a, a, a
0: little romance.
1: And he falls for her. And he does. In a big way, they're both going to fall for each other, and I, I like that.
0: And uh, to, to kind of, to kind of uh, double back to... Uh, An example of when I think that maybe John Landis doesn't quite know how to direct like really serious dramatic stuff is like after he has become the werewolf the first time and goes back to Alex and like Dr. Hirsch is like getting her on the phone because she says, you know, he wasn't home last night, he didn't come home last night. He's like, okay, well he's home now and he seems okay and Hirsch is like, well you you've got to bring him to the hospital like i need to supervise him like he is a danger six people were killed last night and i think it might have been you know i think he he might have become psychotic or whatever and like that i feel like that scene is supposed to like have a kind of gravity that feels kind of deflated yeah. Like there's almost
1: like there should be like a ticking clock there
0: there should be and you know like both david and alex are both kind of like blasé that like obviously david doesn't remember anything from the night before and he's feeling good he's feeling vigorous but like He's been gone all night and he comes home and tells Alex that like he woke up naked in the wolf pen. Also he's two. wearing
1: women's clothing
0: yeah. and she has
1: no response to that. That's true. And yeah. Exactly. I, I was I, I think I made a joke during during it like being like damn need need me like somebody like who you know where like I can come back home like after being out all night wearing like another woman's clothes and not even be questioned. Right, exactly. And, like, and
0: not and be told like oh yeah, I don't I don't I don't that but I don't remember what happened last night. I just woke up naked in like the, in the wolf pen and like, I it, it's like, fine. It's fine for him to maybe not take it super seriously, but I think that she should. There, I think yeah. she should be more concerned. You know, she's just kind of like giggling and laughing it off. It's like, oh yeah, Doctor Hirsch wants us to come to the hospital. I guess we should go. You know, whatever. It's like you should be. You should be more concerned. Yeah. Like this should be more serious. Well, I maybe think. she needs a little
1: more time to take it. And I'm willing to let that slide. Also, like what I will say is the fact that she isn't like jealous or concerned over the fact that like he's wearing like some other woman's like coat or whatever um also demonstrates how much she trusts and like cares yeah, for him. it, it so, speaks like, credit, is, it speaks credit to
0: her character yeah i i, th- I think so i just but feel, i do agree like like a
1: little more concern
0: i don't necessarily blame the character for it so much as like j- as like the writing and directing there where it just feels like okay, John, like, I know you're a, a comedy director, but, like, this is a moment that requires less levity and needs to be a little bit more serious to balance out some more of the comedic stuff. And I think it's just kind of a missed opportunity, and I think it just kind of comes from maybe not quite knowing how to handle a scene like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's th- a
0: it's, it's a very minor complaint. I,
1: um, I just, I would have liked a little bit more at the very end. Yeah, yeah that that too. she earns that moment uh leading up to it like when uh he's a, he's the wolf he's he's at the end of the alleyway and a whole squad of like, like whatever
0: the British equivalent swat. of sWAT yeah is. guys yeah.
1: like are all like lined up at the other end of the hall like the alleyway with machine guns and she makes her way through the crowd and like pushes her way past the soldiers and just marches down the mm-hmm. the alleyway She needs to know she needs to understand um and if it is him solve this. And I I love that like she really like rises up in the last moment and and takes control of the situation uh, and and it 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 feels so earned.
0: Well, yeah, and she brings and- him out of the shadows into the light, so then they can shoot him yeah. to death. Um, it's it's a it's a King Kong moment for sure. It is, it's yeah. A, uh, t- it's a it's a Beauty killed the Beast, Beast uh, mm-hmm. thing for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, there there's really nothing given to that after the fact. Like it, no they time. they shoot him. We see him back in human form, riddled with bullet holes and bleeding, and then just immediately and, cut to credit. And
1: like she's screaming when the bullets are flying by. But yeah, like we get a shot of him, and then the movie just does not care about her anymore. Like right after she's earned this amazing moment. It's like, ah,
0: the werewolf is dead. Okay. That's all you cared about,
1: right? Bye. Werewolf's dead, so the movie's dead, yeah, I was too. Like, no, I want, I want to know, like, how Alex feels about this. Like, I know how she's gonna feel about it, but I want to see it. Like, I want to, I want to, like, feel this moment of, like, sorrow with her. Like, it's, It's worth having like, uh, yeah, at least,
0: at least give her, at least give her a minute like with his body or something. Yeah. Like it's unfair to her
1: character to let it, to let it sink in just a shot of her face, you know, like just her, her just going, Oh God, no something, anything. Uh, but we don't like, she earns this amazing moment and like our our werewolf protagonist is killed and it just cuts to credits and I, I don't mind like the sudden jump to credits Movie's over. Time to end the movie. Like that's fine, but just a just a moment where we can see because like she gets so much screen time. The Doctor, who is also there in the scene, um, gets a lot of screen time. You know, like he goes so far out of his way to ensure like that this case isn't closed yeah. by the end. He he really redeems himself from the beginning. And it would be nice... Yeah, to he goes all the way out to character. the village to, like, interrogate the uh, the villagers. Yeah, because, like, we're already, like, primed to sympathize with these characters. You know, like, the root of, sim- like, sympathy is I suffer with you. Mm. And so we're just ready to suffer with these characters. I, I, was-, I was here for it. I needed that... Dr- I-, I really wanted that, like, dramatic moment. And we get... Such an illustrious visual finale in this movie, with all the cars crashing, all the yeah, the everything that's just like all the the mess that's happening in Piccadilly Circus, um, like so many just like unbelievably like elaborate like an illustrious shots, and so we get this wonderful visual payoff, and I was just hoping for more of an emotional one. I think that's like my one critique on this movie. It could have ended like just to put in like one or give two you shots that. of that, yeah, hit, and it would have. It would have been nice for me, but I felt like the the movie didn't care about these characters that I was primed to care about. (laughs) I don't personally mind the abruptness
0: of the ending too much, but I, I, I do think you're right. In the sense that it would be nice to at least have a few seconds of Alex's reaction or something, you know, just so that we can end the the film with her because you know she's she's the one who's left after all of this, you know. Uh, David's dead, Jack's dead, like Alex is the one who's who's left behind with the aftermath. So it would have been nice to maybe have just a little. It didn't even need to be a whole scene, but just like a little moment, a shot, a shot for us to sort of have that moment with her would have been nice. Um,
1: I kind of get it. Like like part of the gag is like the movie is trying to almost like sweep those emotions under the rug and be like, hey, forget about it. You're watching a werewolf movie. Because like then it plays like the yeah. blue moon like music again. Like it's it gets, goo- like the music, yeah. the credit music is goofy. We, we cut straight from like sorrowful moment to that. And I, I kind of think like more sorrow would have ramped that up even more. Like if she's like crying about her lover, like dying and like she she would be kind of blaming herself in that moment you know because she drew him out of the shadows Mm -hmm. uh there's all the dialogue about like the love has to be the one to kill the werewolf like we get all this lead up for it so like for her to get for us to feel that through her eyes at the end just to culminate all that sorrow and then cut to credits with the blue moon moon," like would have been (laughs) would have been even more like intensive like i'm not saying like I, I liked that, that the gag there at the end, because at the end of the day, it is a werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. And it, and it it reminds you of that. It's like, eh, don't, you know, it's a movie, you know, like, like go, yeah. go home, go have fun, you know, like enjoy your popcorn. And, and I, I appreciate when a movie like, like doesn't take itself too seriously. So I'm not asking for like, You know, like a funeral scene or anything else like that. Definitely not asking for that, but just something—a moment of sorrowful revelation or catharsis, like in the same scene, like from her and from the doctor. I'll
0: give you that. I'll totally give you that. Yeah. Um, It is worth noting. You mentioned the credits music. uh, Every single song in the soundtrack that was not uh, original music. Um, has moon in the title, yeah, which is great. Uh, yeah. uh, well, there's like
1: I think like two different renditions of Blue Moon. Neither of which are Frank Sinatra.
0: No, probably for a right. and then there's uh, this, I don't know. I mean, Frank Sinatra did also just his own renditions of songs that came before him and stuff. Oh, I know, um, but
1: like the Sinatra one is like.
0: But, you know, they great. have uh, they have Creedence Clearwater, Bad Moons on the Rise. Yeah, they do. Um, there's a
1: bathroom on the right. There's
0: a bathroom on the right. The needle drops in this movie are great. I don't know enough about, like, the that era of oldies to, like, recognize a lot of those songs. But um, what's
1: nice is the songs play for long enough to, like, get enjoyment out of yeah. them. So many movies like, these you, days get that wrong get, where you they play it for, like, 30 seconds. Like, hey, you get it right. Yeah. Nah, let's do another one. There's not enough time to just, like, enjoy the song in the movie uh and it's it's long enough for you to get it it's like uh yeah they're all
0: they're all moon related Mm because he's a a werewolf yeah you can take in the songs and they fit
1: well in the scenes it's
0: a fun little gag well i think that's all i have on this one do you want to rate yeah i'm ready um well why don't you start since this was your pick
1: oh man i've been torn about this for days it's been really tricky for me like i'd love for this movie to be a golden pod like it it has so many great things going for it and also, I was left wanting a little more, like, with the, the ending. But, like, man, the finale is so good with all the cars. And, like, it does an amazing job of, like, passing the torch for, like, good werewolf movies. And, god, there just haven't been enough, like, good werewolf Like, I I need a—I'd n- love to see, like, a new, like, good werewolf film. I think that there's a lot to talk about it.
0: Yeah, something that's not the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh,
1: god. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think— when it comes to complaints, like I'm, I'm all, all I was looking for is like a shot at the end and some more articulation, like in like one of the scenes with the masks. And I don't know if that's enough to even like remove half a point, frankly. Like I think, I think I'm going to go ahead. No, I think it is. I think there's just there's enough like with the editing, like during like the first wolf chase scene where it goes a little long, just a couple of other things where I'm going to give it a four point five. I want to give it a five. It's really close. It might even be – I think I've rated worse films – I've given worse films a 5, too, which is a little unfair, but I'm going to say 4.5. It (laughs) – it's a great film, and and that's still a that's still a that's still a really kind score. So I'm well, gonna...
0: that's okay because I'm also going to give it a four and a half okay, out cool. of five. Okay, cool. Um, okay, it's a, so your your rating's not going to keep it from a golden pod. Uh, yeah, four and a half out of five for me. It's a fantastic film. I love this movie. Um, I do have some, as I brought up, you know, some very slight critiques with balancing tone at certain times. Not enough to greatly hurt the film by any means. Um, but I, I do think worth noting... Mm-hmm. Um, for the
1: most part, this this film balances tone incredibly well. It does, it but does. But there are a few times.
0: It's like, but there are a few times where it's like, okay, you've given me a lot of good jokiness, but now I'm ready for something a little bit more serious and emotionally impactful, and it's like still just a little bit too light-hearted at these times like it i just need i i need something like really dramatic and serious to balance out like the the good the good jokey bits but um yeah very minor critique Mm -hmm. so uh that'll be a unanimous four and a half out of five for american
1: werewolf in london um i got a question for you yeah say you had to do a remake of this movie you had to (laughs) gun to your head right okay how would you do it
0: I man, I don't know. I don't think I have a good answer to that because, like, I I this is a movie that I don't think needs a remake.
1: I agree, it doesn't need one. And that's like, why that's why I like the question. I, I know because like, this movie, like, just do a different werewolf movie.
0: I know in the mid '90s they did a sequel, an American Werewolf in Paris, which I haven't seen. Oh, did
1: they? Because yeah. that was actually going to be my suggestion is to just like pick a different place to so, like an American yeah. Werewolf and say like. Scotland,
0: so well, you have like that's... just
1: enough like you still get your moors, you still get whatever, and it's a different story, same kind of werewolf you know you just take the same laws of this world you just take the same rules because I think there's a lot there's some different things you could do with like the 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 cadavers haunting and whatever sure. all you have to do is like change your protagonist to to care less or more you could you could have some fun with it
0: yeah, I think you know if if you're gonna do a modern remake, you know maybe maybe set it somewhere else. Uh, but also but just have it but yeah. have it be its own thing, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't don't make it like his somehow forgotten about son or family member, like trapping no, him. No, down don't don't and make learning it... more about the lore of the town. Could you imagine how bad that don't would be? Don't make it have
0: con- don't make it be connected at all. Yeah, yeah. You know? Except maybe in title alone. Yeah.
1: Connected like, in like universe, so like yeah. the the rules are the same and that is it. I'd like to see like
0: maybe an American werewolf in Tokyo or something, you know, like give a at at a completely different cultural spin to it. Because I like the idea of like dude, the yes. I like the idea of like the American fish out of water and like becomes a monster, but like you need give it like a different cultural spin. Like we got we got the the British aspect in this movie, you know, so like you set that same kind of story somewhere else. Well you know what um, you do,
1: right? You have you have your protagonist be what I would say is you still set it like in the '80s, right? Yeah, um, sure. Maybe '90s, and uh, you have your protagonist be like a UK punk singer who's oh, going on fine. tour. He gets bit in the moors, right? So you have your intro is kind of similar, and then he goes on a he goes on a trip to Japan you know so he just goes before the a full moon happens a
0: scottish werewolf in tokyo
1: yeah yeah and um and maybe it's an american singer or whatever like and he's on tour so first he goes to like london or whatever right he gets bit there and then he goes to tokyo i
0: love the idea of it being like in of being like in a punk band or something because right? you have a scene later in the movie where he's like performing a show and transforms like mid mid-show and like wreaks havoc at the concert that could be really fun right like yeah that means a lot
1: there's a lot going like yeah that that would be a fun idea i think um and again like it could be like from the same universe the laws would be the same but you know like now Hmm. he's being haunted and you could have like some fun like you know like him causing havoc on the streets of osaka or something like yeah there's some neat things you could do with that he could
0: be haunted by the ghost of an old samurai no (laughs) I think that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, anywho,
1: well, we'd have to kill an old samurai, though. Like, there we, yeah, we've got some.
0: Oh uh, no, you could come up with some more bullshit lore for the reason why the spirit of the samurai is attached to him. Yeah, uh, I'm not getting paid to do that, though, so uh, <laughs> we'll
1: leave it at that. Leave
0: it, leave it to mm-hmm. leave it to the screenwriters out there for sure. Uh, next week. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a Shyamalan time. No. Uh, it's M. M. Night's back with, him, <laughs> with his latest creation. Uh, a new film called Old. Cleveland and I are actually about <laughs> Every to... <laughs> time I hear that
1: fucking title. Cleveland and I are actually about to go <laughs> see it right after we finish recording. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. So I. I feel like so like shitty. Like it's such a first world thing to be like, ugh, I have to like go see a movie, you know? Cause like, <laughs> (laughs) I love going to the movie theater and like, it's such a nice, like lovely thing, especially like after COVID and like being able to go back to the movies for the first time, like in a while, like, I mean, we've seen a few others like so far, but you know, it's still like a new thing again. And it's like, Oh yeah, I get to go to the movie theaters and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see like a movie that I, from a director, I cannot fucking stand. So I'm, I'm, I'm livid about it. Uh, and I, I feel privileged and shitty for like not being excited to go to a movie theater, but I'm excited. God, this, I hope there's some good content that comes out of it for you fuckers. I'm, like, I'm excited Christ, I'm because this because this. this
0: looks like one of his most head ass ones in a while. And head at, and the more head ass Shyamalan is, the funnier um, I think of like the happening. Uh, and this this movie looks like it could potentially uh, ha- be happening levels of stupidity. And just kind of in preparation because we haven't seen the film yet. I'd like to play a little game and just ask what do you think the twist is like you don't we don't have to go into detail but why do you think these people are turning old what what is the cause of it i can go first if you still need
1: to think i've got a couple okay i think my main one is it's going to be something really fucking stupid to do with ley lines oh okay this coast for whatever reason has always had like you know like there's there's some
0: oh time dimensional
1: like ley line thing where the further you get to this like rift spot the more time speeds up but maybe there's some shitty artifact or something stupid at the center of it so one of our characters is going to have to like get to the center of it or like I, mean, I think something in the trailer about, like, they have to, like, climb a wall or whatever, like, at the top of this thing, or, like, deeper in, like, a, a cavern or something, like, they're gonna have to get to it and destroy the artifact or thing that is, like, keeping this, like, rift thing happening, and, uh, they're gonna, like, probably, like, die in the process, but save the others, or so something you, stupid. So
0: you think magic is what's happening?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, pseudoscience, you know, like, like, it, it can be explained with, like, really stupid quantum theory sure. okay you know like both is and isn't um okay. sort of stuff but yeah that's that's where I think it's gonna be because like that version gives like the biggest out for it being deep because there is no like antagonist monster it's just like a rift the events themselves and it's like oh you know that's scary enough growing old which you know like I guess like Shyamalan is what is he in his like 50, 40s now you know maybe I think, he's,
0: I think he's in his late 40s or early 50s at this point yeah probably, like probably so like he's mid-50s. getting at that point
1: so he's like oh I'm gonna make a movie projecting these things aren't I deep just a really shitty midlife crisis and uh, yeah so that's, that's what I think it's either that or it's like natives because like I guess he's not a white director, so he can get away with it, or some sh- stupid shit. I don't know. Like uh, he's from Philadelphia. I know, I know. <laughs> like, like I say that with complete sarcasm. Yeah. Like, not actually. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be stupid. But what, whatever I think, like whatever we predict, it's not gonna be dumb enough.
0: Well, see, that's that's the thing. Like, when trying to predict a Shyamalan movie, you have to go as illogical as possible because, as dumb as you think it's gonna be, it's always gonna be dumber. So, I my prediction is uh, I, I'm I'm glad that you you went in a different direction because then we'll we'll get to see who's the closest. Uh, my prediction. No one wins in this. My prediction is that <laughs> it's a simulation that they're in a simulation created by people from the future. Okay. And that the simulation is uh, there, it it is within a, a certain, there's like
1: a certain boundary. Wait, so the island? The island, or maybe just the beach? No, 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 I, like, like the movie with Ian McGregor, The Island.
0: Oh, I haven't seen it. It's that. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, yeah, then maybe it's The Island. It's a fun, okay, but, I, uh, I haven't seen that
1: movie like well, since there, I was a youth. I enjoyed movie, it.
0: Isn't that movie about them being like clones that are being like harvested, their organs are being harvested for rich people? Isn't that what The Island's about?
1: Yeah, and The Island isn't real, it's a simulation.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so I, I think this is a simulation, but I think it's a simulation created by us from the future, and okay. that there's a boundary and that the farther they push into the, uh, out of the boundary the faster they age because the the rules of the simulation are confined to a certain area so if you extend beyond it, degrades. it the, the simulation degrades and the side effect of that is rapid aging okay um so that's that's what i that's what i think so, all right
1: uh, uh, I, I could also go with it is you know what it could also be a secret tie-in to signs, and they're actually being experimented on by aliens.
0: Oh, what if it's a secret tie-in to the village, and they think that it's, like, 2020, but it's actually, like, 3030?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about that? They're in the
1: future, but this twist is they're even further in the future. They're even
0: further in the future. Wow. Right. Incredible.
1: Wait, is there anything in the trailer that implies that they're in the future at all? Nope. Uh, This is present day? Cool. Yeah. Whatever. Seems
0: to be present day, but who knows? Yeah.
1: Anyway, we're going to find out very shortly. Who knows? And... Who cares?
0: <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> Me either. Um, but, uh, dear listeners, stay tuned until next week to hear if either of our predictions are correct, or uh, we'll let you know how, it's far, be how lazy. far
1: off we are. It's going to be fucking lazy. I'm, uh, God, I, uh, I haven't said anything like his last... What was the what was the fucking awful glass? Was glass. the last one? Yeah, God. that was that was dog shit. God, I would I would I wish I had been glassed instead of watching that movie. Jesus Christ! All right, give me the sponsor time. Yeah, is that what glass means? You've been cut by glass? I don't know. I, hopefully, I didn't just say something super offensive. All right, uh, let's see here. And our sponsor this week, uh, brought to you by the magical sponsor shelf, is teeth. Uh, the. The, this is a very large manila envelope with many pages in it and as I turn each page for my my prompt uh it looks like they all say just teeth on it just the one word well not the not the movie I guess I mean, maybe I, I don't know all, all I've got to go off of is so. teeth for this one but uh this episode brought to you by teeth your teeth maybe your teeth my teeth are they actually your teeth our teeth think someone else's it. teeth yeah the teeth in your mouth.
0: Are they yours? Can what are
1: you, they for? Do you know they're your teeth?
0: What are, how?
1: They how, might not be. How do you teeth? Ask your local dentist. They're the only part of your skeleton that's outside of your skin. Thanks, teeth. Hopefully. Hopefully. If things are well.
0: It's not, it's not, you
1: go go, go ask your doctor about teeth.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you would like to support the show, the best way to do that is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating and a nice review. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash pod We've got a few different uh subscriber tiers there, so if you wanna support the boys with and a it's, little that's
1: levels of, of subscription. You will not hopefully not cry <laughs> hopefully not if cry, you subscribe.
0: T I E R S tiers. Yeah we don't uh, we
1: don't want subscriber tiers. We, we we love y'all too much for that.
0: So if you wanna if you wanna give the boys a little bit of, a little bit of money then that's where you can do so but fear not none of our content is paywalled currently so um if you're not in a position to give us money then that's okay you don't have to cry subscriber tiers. you can just uh you just you, listen and
1: hang out just don't, listen don't and cry. hang out we, we um, love you
0: That being said, thanks to our honorary pod boys, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. Bless y'all. For uh, giving us a little bit of of money every month. We love and appreciate y'all. And And best
1: believe uh, if you subscribe, we'll add your name to the list.
0: That's right. You can uh, become an honorary pod boy as well and Mm. get a a similar shout out. That's non-gendered. Anyone can be a pod boy. That's right. Pod boy is a non-gendered term, whether you're... Male, female, non-binary, whatever—you yeah. can be a pod boy. Mm-hmm. This is a this is an inclusive club. That's right.
1: Um, we, we didn't really get into it, but there's there's a whole discussion to be had about like being a werewolf and gender queerness and all that stuff, and like being repressed. We, I, we didn't really get into it, but there's a whole good conversation there. Uh, well, maybe one day. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, when, one when a, day when a good werewolf movie comes out again, we can talk about it. Or I'll just do the Wolfman.
0: All right. Uh well, you can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at letterbox dot com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes.
1: I'm on Twitter at Some Spooky Snake. And I'm on Twitter tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We put out progress on It Stairs Back. Y'all stay tuned for Realms Deep, it's coming up. Um Is there a date on that? Yes there most certainly is uh it is from uh it's going to be uh friday through sunday august 13th through 15th uh 2021 of uh, august if i uh, did i say that it's in august it's in um, is it
0: an august? It's it's an in august it's in
1: august it's coming up um uh, augustus uh 13th through 15th um uh yeah stay tuned because we're going to be putting out some cool content for it Stairs back i'm on a panel it's going to be pretty rad uh, so yeah, go, come, come check us out. Uh, and
0: I assume if you Google
1: Realms Deep 2021, you'll probably find what you need. To oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And of course, that. you can check out it stares back um, in the meantime you don't have to wait for realms deep we're already out on early access you can play our game uh we've got hours of great content for you already it's a dark uh rts like top down game where you command your RTS. armies of undead it's very fun and uh not enough No, there's a little bit of piratey stuff now but um anyway uh yeah it, it's pretty rad uh so come check it out and uh, uh that's that's oh and uh, stay tuned for more cool stuff from dread xp as well including spookware which i'm currently uh Working on it's pretty rad, it's pretty rad. That's all for me.
0: Alright, thank you for listening, and until next time. A woo. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fox i get a big dish of beef chow me. where well, was London? I hoo I hoo where well, was London? ah who you hear him howling around your kitchen door.